Father's Day is a time that reminds those of us who are in this remarkable position of honor all the many things that can go wrong. The many ways we can look and feel foolish. At a very basic level, those of us who are fathers spend an awful lot of our journey in life trying not to embarrass our children. This is a major priority. But the bigger picture, not only for those, those of us who are fathers and mentors, but for all of us, there is this deep-seated desire to be strong to feel like we're in control, to feel like it's going to be okay because I've got this thing. Now, our children know it's not true. And certainly our partners in life know it's not true. But there's a part of us that just wishes it were and could be true. To be strong. This is a huge word, strong. And to figure out how do we at least get a little stronger. Now, physically, we know the body is a remarkable instrument. It's a machine that somehow knows the more you work, the more it needs to be stronger. Now, for those of you who haven't figured that out, it's called exercise. Exercise is an amazing thing that allows this machine that God has given to us to get better at what it does. And physically, it is possible to get stronger, at least for a while. But at some point in all of our journeys, that begins to ebb, even as it had once flowed. So no matter how hard we try to get and be and stay strong physically, at some point, we fail. Which is what is such a beautiful thing about our lesson today. Because what the Bible teaches us, what Jesus is pushing the disciples toward, is not so much physical strength, but mental, emotional, spiritual strength. It's called wisdom. And the cool thing about wisdom is it's very similar to the way our bodies as machines function when we're in that good place where the more exercise we do, the better our bodies operate. The stronger they become, the more fit and disciplined they are. The neat thing about wisdom and what the Bible is very clear about, wisdom doesn't cease as we age. In fact, if we do life right, wisdom increases with age. Our bodies may begin to deteriorate, but our wisdom can continue to expand. It's an amazing thing wisdom. The word in Hebrew, chokmah, is filled with all kinds of layers, but 
at its basic level, this wisdom of the Old Testament is best translated skillful living. To learn as we go through the experience of exercising our hearts and our minds and our spirits with the experiences that we have in our lives, how to relate and interrelate, how to act and react, how to be, how to know and be known, how to love and be loved. This wisdom is a remarkable thing. It starts with our first passage in Psalm 8 that I read just a moment ago. This beautiful flowing of the words kind of guides us into this sense of what we can simply call wonder. The wonder of God's creation. But Psalm 8 is not just talking about O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This remarkable creation that you've given to us. June, this great time to see flowers in their glory shouting out with color from the hills and yards surrounding us. The beauty of God's creation ought to inspire wonder. But the focus of Psalm 8 really starts with the glory of being God's creation, God's people. It's the wonder of we who've been, the chapter says, created a little less than angels, given stewardship and responsibility for watching over and participating fully in God's good creation. This sense of wonder, of being able to recognize in me and also see in you, one another, the glory of God's handiwork. This was true for me this past week. I had the privilege of being one of our chaperones on the retreat for our middle schoolers and high schoolers. And as a part of this week, which please don't call it a vacation, as a part of this experience that was remarkable, and we have some fantastic middle schoolers and high schoolers and fantastic chaperones and staff that I had the privilege of interacting with, About the third day, there were two seventh graders who discovered, get this, they liked and were good at washing dishes. (laughs) They requested to come back and wash dishes again. Pastor KK, Kristen, was in charge of the kitchen and, of course, relished this, but then discovered as they were doing so well at washing dishes, they said, is there anything else we can do? She said, well, I'm going to be making sausage biscuits tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. They said, can we come? Seventh graders asking to get up at 7 o'clock to make sausage biscuits, some spicy, some mild. They were excellent. This ought to instill wonder in you and me at the glory of God's crazy creation. Last night, there was a concert in this space that was remarkable. At the conclusion of the concert, we were instructed to dance, which in itself was fascinating. 
there were not a lot of Baptists in the crowd, but those of us that were there were excited. What troubled me was as we were dancing and moving, have you ever noticed that the floor of this sanctuary is flexible? I did not know that until I felt the floor going up and down, and in my head I'm thinking, we're going to die. <laughs> this building is about to collapse. And when it didn't, I found myself in wonder that some architect somewhere figured out you know, these people may dance someday in this sanctuary. I better make this floor flexible so that these crazy Baptists, when they start losing their minds, won't fall through the floor. It's a wonder of God's creation that somebody, somewhere along the line, figured out you could take pieces of thin metal and stretch them between pieces of wood and take a little hammer with felt on it and make a little ivory, uh, what do you call that thing, key, <laughs> that when you punch, the hammer hits the string connected to the wood and it makes a sound that creates not only a melody, but incredible harmonies. And this word piano in Italian means uh, the ability to play softly because the harpsichord, which predated the piano, couldn't be made soft. It was always the same level of sound. Somebody figured out if you make a piano right, you can play it loud or you can play it soft. And if you're Daniel or Davida, or Julian, who's going to be playing here in a minute, you can play it fantastically. Who figured that out? I don't know. But it's a wonder of God's creation that somebody sat down and thought, you know, music can be improved. If we take these pieces of metal and stretch it between wood and make a piano or a harpsichord or an organ or drums or connect the human voice with other human voices and make melody and harmony and put together words that actually mean something powerful that can teach us the Bible and inspire us in faith. It's a wonder of God's creation that together we can look at these simple things we take for granted and stand in awe and say, wow, that's cool. That's beautiful. That adds meaning to my life. Thanks to somebody else's ingenuity, creativity, inspiration, my life is better. The wonder of God's creation. That's Psalm 8. Proverbs 8 offers some very interesting insight into wisdom. To start with this idea of wisdom is a sense of wonder. But then the passages that we've clustered together through the lectionary readings today, Psalm 8, this wonder of God's creation, moves us to Proverbs 8 that is fascinating. It uses, did you notice, a literary device. 
It's called personification. Anybody remember that from English 101? Personification. Barry Manilow. Anybody remember Barry Manilow? Okay, Barry Manilow wrote a song about, anybody remember? I write the song. It was as though music were speaking it. I write the songs that make the whole world sing. I am music, and I write this. That's personification. Barry Manilow, 1974, I think. Check me on that. It's somewhere in that time frame. It was the first album I bought, Barry Manilow. Okay? <laughs> okay, that wasn't wise, but anyway. So <laughs> it was not a good investment. But that was personification. It was about music. What Proverbs 8 does is leads us through this remarkable passage where wisdom is personified. God created me at the beginning of all time. I was with God, making the heavens and the earth and drawing a circle over the face of the earth. They knew the earth was round, by the way. A circle is round. They'd figured it out. Eclipses helped them understand the earth wasn't flat. If there are any flat earthers here today, it's round. They knew that in... Proverbs 8. The personification of wisdom is fascinating. This literary device is partly to keep people's attention, but it's also a teaching technique that helps us recognize something about wisdom. This is a holy endeavor because it's actually a part of God's heart. When we increase in wisdom, we increase our connection to God. I was with God at the beginning of all time, Proverbs 8 says. When you are taking these experiences in life and you are wondering, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to make it through this? What can I learn from this? Weeks, months, maybe years later, you look back and you realize whatever that was made me wiser, more experienced, and ultimately stronger. Because I have been a part of this participatory experience of joining up with God's very heart Wisdom is intimately connected to God. And when I become wiser, I become that much more holier and sacred in my journey with God. It is wonder that leads us into wisdom. And wisdom makes us strong. This final piece of the puzzle for this Sunday comes from the 16th chapter of John. It's in this chapter that the disciples are struggling with a lot of the same things that you and I struggle with. What are we going to do tomorrow? How are we going to survive without you? The whole part of 16th, 15th, 14th, and 13th chapters of John 
is Jesus telling the disciples, I'm not going to be with you very much longer. You're about to be on your own. But what will happen when I leave is you will have with you the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, the Counselor that will be with you, that will teach you, that will guide you, that will lift you up, that will increase your wisdom. Surrounding this passage are these fascinating reminders to the disciples. I say these things to you so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be made complete. But they weren't joyful. They were scared. We're scared. They were confused. They were broken. They were completely clueless about what was about to happen. In our brokenness, in their brokenness, in our confusion, in their confusion, Jesus says, the advocate will be with you. You won't be alone. And then there's this fascinating passage that Carol read. I've got lots more to say to you, but now is not the time. Because what I have to say to you that you need to hear, you're not ready for yet. Just this week, two different people in two different conversations said to me, I feel so impatient. I can't figure out what God is doing in my life. I know deep inside that months from now, I'll look back on this. Maybe years from now, I'll look back on this and it'll make sense. But right now, it doesn't. And I'm scared, and I want to get through this, but I don't know what's coming next. It's exactly what the disciples were wrestling with, struggling with. I want to know now what's going on and how to make this right. And Jesus says, you're not quite ready. It will make sense, but not yet. I know it's hard to be patient, but hang in there. This experience will change you. What comes tomorrow will make you stronger and better. The advocate will guide you, and you will understand soon enough. There is this tradition that we have the pleasure to be a part of, it's called gathering together in sanctuary on Sabbath. One of my favorite rabbi philosophers is Abraham Heschel. And Abraham Heschel was intimately involved in the civil rights movement, both advocating for Jewish rights as well as African-American rights. And Jewish, uh, uh, as a Jewish rabbi, Abraham Heschel took very seriously the need for all of us to step back and participate together in Sabbath. This is what Jesus was doing with the disciples. They were actually on Sabbath sharing a Seder meal together when he was talking with them. And they were together trying to connect up with God's hope and purpose for their lives. When we gather together once a week, it's partly to sing and to see friends and to enjoy one another. But with Heschel's 
powerful quote, let's remind ourselves what we're really about. Six days a week, we live under the tyranny of things of space. On the Sabbath, we try to become attuned to holiness in time. It is a day on which we are called upon to share in what is eternal, to turn from the results of creation to the mystery of creation, from the world of creation to the creation of the world. Together in a sense of wonder, of gathering wisdom through our shared experiences in life, making us stronger and better followers of Jesus. Perhaps you are here today, burdened down. Perhaps you are here today, struggling, broken, confused, wondering what tomorrow holds. Perhaps you are here today needing to have those burdens lifted, to be freed of what holds you back. In Heschel's powerful reminder, at least once a week we gather together and ask God to lift from our shoulders those weights that have been holding us back, to take our burdens away and to free us During the Civil War, there was a group of people who began to sense that liberation was at hand. They had been in bondage for generations. And they began to put together a song that spoke about this sense of Sabbath wholeness and hope. And this song that erupted, emerged out of this conclusion of the Civil War was never written down until 1918. And then Louis Armstrong made it famous. This group of former slaves gathering together, saying, I'm going to lay down my burdens down by the riverside. Now, I think you all know that, and you should be able to sing it. I'm going to ask for some professional help, and it's not the first time that I've been told I need professional help. But I'm going to ask people to come forward that I've strategically asked Join me, Randall somewhere, Catherine, Eddie, Bria, Davida, and we're going to sing together as you stand and join us to lay down our burdens, to let God take these weights from our shoulders, to enjoy the Sabbath rest by singing and maybe even dancing. The floor will hold you, I promise. It's been tested.